Good morning, everyone. Not too often we get to say good morning, and it's been a little while since you've met in the morning, and, and, uh, and yet the Lord has provided a wonderful venue here for you to meet in the morning and say good morning, and it's actually the proper time. Often when you meet at one o'clock, we say good morning, and it's really the afternoon, but we all show grace and we all say it together. It's a joy for me to be with you. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be with you, a like-minded family of believers, to worship the Lord, to honor Him, to glorify Him, to open up the Word of God, and to preach the Word of God to you this morning. I invite you to take your Bible. Would you turn with me to the Gospel of John, John chapter 12. Today, you see in the bulletin, I'm going to preach John 12, verses 44 through 50, And I'm going to preach a sermon that I have entitled, Jesus Has Come Into the World. Jesus Has Come Into the World. Very appropriate and very fitting with the hymns that we have already sung and the time of year in which we find ourselves to remember that Christ has come into the world and why he came into the world. And boys and girls, I'm glad that you are here as well, and I'm really glad that you can hear the Word of God. I'm glad you're here in this room with your Bibles open so that you can hear what God would have for you as well from John chapter 12. Follow with me, John 12, beginning in verse 44. And Jesus cried out and he said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given himself to me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Let's pray. We, fo- we know, O oh Father, that your word will go on forever. It is perfect and pure and reliable and true. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning in prayer in your name washed by the blood that you have shed for us. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be our divine teacher, that you would stand in the pulpit with me to preach the word of God from my mouth, but may it be the divine word that goes forth into the hearts of your people. Take your word to save the lost. And take your word to sanctify true believers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Glory be to God on high, and peace on earth descend. God comes down, he bows the sky, and he shows himself our friend. God the invisible appears, God the blessed, the great I am. He lives in this veil of tears, and Jesus is his name. Those are the words written by Charles Wesley to one of the hymns that he wrote in his hymnal for Christmas carols that he wrote. And he wrote these words because Charles Wesley knew and he believed that the coming of Jesus Christ into this world is of bottomless mystery. Ponder with me that the second person of the triune Godhead who has ever and always lived without a beginning, took on human flesh, and he came to earth. He was born into this world. It's an amazing thought. It's an amazing reality from those words that I read, God comes down. God comes down. It's right here in our text. You see it in verse 46 in your Bible. Jesus said, I have come into the world. Now, we can read all through the Gospel of John why Jesus has come into the world. Let me just give you a sampling of why Jesus has come. He came first with all authority. John 5, 43, Jesus said, I have come in the name of my Father. In John 6, 42, Jesus came down from heaven. Jesus said, I have come down from heaven as the bread, the living bread that has come down. He has come down from heaven in order to speak the truth in a world that needed truth. Jesus said in John 18, 37 to Pilate, I have come into the world in order to testify to the truth. Even Luke chapter 12, verse 49 Jesus has come to judge. He has come to judge. He said, I have come in order to cast fire upon the earth. And oh, how I wish that that were already kindled, he said. He has come in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 7. Jesus said, I have come to do your will, O God. And I love Matthew 18, very simple verse, verse 11. The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What a great verse. To save that which was lost. But I want you to ponder with me for a minute the words of this author when he said this, by a miracle that passes human comprehension, the creator entered his creation. The eternal one entered time. God became human in order to die and rise again for the salvation of all of his own people. He comes down from the highest of heights of absolute being into time and space. He comes down into humanity, down further into the womb of a woman, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature that he has created, but he goes down in order to come up again and to bring the whole ruined world 
with him. That is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. As we think about the reality of God coming into the world, Jesus coming down from heaven, I think, first of all, we ought to just think deeply about this. Boys and girls, you can never think too much about the reality of God coming into the world. Not only should we think deeply on this, but we ought to worship humbly before our Christ. And we ought to live obediently to our Christ. And indeed, we ought to love our Christ passionately. I don't want to merely inform your mind today with theology. I hope to do that. But I want your heart to be drawn with greater love to the Savior, where you might say, I don't understand all of what it means that God came down from heaven to save me, but I love him for what he has done. Now, let let, let me give a little bit of explanation where we are in the Gospel of John, because we're at the end of the Gospel of John chapter 12 here, verses 44 to 50. We're sort of parachuting down in the middle of an event. You see, in John chapter 12, verses 12 to 19, if you look a little bit before this in your Bible, in John 12, verse 12, you have the triumphal entry. This is the final week of the earthly life of our Savior. We call it the triumphal entry. On Palm Sunday, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, presenting himself as the king the Messianic king, and and there are multitudes of, of pilgrims and Jewish worshipers, and they're there, and they're lining the streets, and they're shouting, Hosanna from Psalm 118. The Messiah is here. In verses 20 to 26, really even to verse 36, Jesus will then announce his death. I mean, on such a festive occasion, he announces his death, and he uses the picture of a a kernel of wheat that must fall to the ground and die. And then in verses 27 to 36, Jesus, in his teaching, will show the importance that you must believe now. Don't put it off. Don't wait. You must believe now. But many of them don't. Many of them don't believe. And then John gives an explanation of this in verses 37 all the way to 43. Why is it that the people don't believe? Why do they not believe in their Messiah? And John's explanation is a quote from Isaiah 6. It's because they can't believe. They've been hardened by God. They've been blinded by God. And they're not able to see the glory of Christ, and to believe. Well, then we come to our text in verse 44. In verses 44 to 50, this is the final exhortation from Jesus to the crowds to believe upon him. Let me put it like this. The paragraph that I'm going to preach here in just a moment, in verses 44 to 50, think of it like this. These are the last words in the Gospel of John, from Jesus to the public. 
what would Jesus say before he goes to the cross? And he's going to have a lot of occasions with the 12 and with the apostles, and he's going to teach them and, and equip them. But what would Jesus say to the crowds? What would he say? What would the final evangelistic appeal be like? What would he say in this paragraph? It's the final, last public evangelism call to the lost. He's going to emphasize themes that have been brought out already in the book of John. He's going to remind the people of what he taught. He's going to challenge them to decide. He's going to warn those who refuse him, and he's going to give many promises to those who will embrace him and receive him by faith. In John 12, verses 44 to 50, I mean, it's like, a, it's like a great summary of the whole book of John so far. So many themes that have already been brought up are sort of brought right here in this paragraph. For example, the theme of believe. You must believe. John 1, verse 12, to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. We see the theme in verses 44 and 45 of how Jesus is one with the Father, but yet he is distinct from the Father. He says, whoever sees me sees the one who sent me. Well, we read about that in John chapter 1. He is the Word. He is God. He was in the beginning with God. He's one with God, but yet distinct from the Father. We see the theme of light in our verses today, that Jesus is the light in verse 46. Well, that's all through the Gospel of John. In John chapter 1, he is the light who shines in the darkness. John 8, he said, I am the light of the world. Even the theme of obeying him and keeping his word which we're going to see right here in our text. Well, that came out earlier in John chapter 8 when Jesus said, whoever keeps my word will never see death. The theme of save, salvation, comes out in our passage today that we're going to look at. And that's one of the themes of the whole book of John, that Jesus has come to save. You must be saved from judgment, chapter 3 makes very clear. And Jesus came to save. That, that Jesus came on mission from the Father who sent him. That is a theme all through the Gospel of John. Jesus said in John 4, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. John seven twenty nine. I know the Father. I am from the Father, and he sent me. We're going to look at that again today as well. And then the wonderful theme of eternal life. You believe, you have eternal life. You don't believe, you don't have eternal life. And that's a theme that has come out all through John's gospel. John 3.15, whoever believes will have eternal life. John 5.24, whoever believes has eternal life and does not come into judgment. John 10.28, I give eternal life to my sheep. And I mention all of that because the paragraph today is deliberately put together by John in his gospel as like a summary paragraph. All the themes that he has written about are brought out right here for a final evangelistic call to the masses. Believe. Have eternal life. 
Believe upon the Son of God. Know that he has come to save. So our passage today, if you look at verse 44, notice how John very carefully tells us what happens in verse 44. Jesus cried out. Do you see that word cry? This is not Jesus whispering. This isn't him sharing a thought. This is the the preacher in public, in Jerusalem. He's like a street preacher here. And he's lifting up his voice, crying out, whoever believes in me, verse 44, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Verse 45, and whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. What an amazing truth. Jesus has been sent by the Father. I mean, you and I had a beginning. You and I had a beginning, but yet Jesus has always existed. He never had a beginning as the second person of the triune God sent from the Father to this world. You and I had a start. Jesus, the infinite, perfect, divine God, did not. I mean, you and I can't say, well, I was born and I was sent from another place. We don't say that. We had a beginning. Jesus says, I was sent by my Father. What a startling reality. What an astonishing truth. And it's so common. We sing about it. We know Jesus came into the world. True. But you and I had a beginning. We were conceived and born. Jesus, as the infinite second person of the Godhead, was sent by God. And he has come to save. I was reading the Gospel of John this week, and I selected this portion of Scripture to preach today for many reasons, and I hope to bring some of them out, but I want you to hear this. We live in a culture where people are living in thick darkness. I mean thick darkness, right? It is thick. Darkness of of sin, darkness of enslaving sin And you and I are living in a world where so many that you know, many that you work with, many in your neighborhood, many in your workplace, are absolutely hopeless. Hopeless. They're hopeless. They don't know what the meaning of life is. They don't know why they're here. They're just kind of going through life. They're sort of hoping for the best. And things may not be going very well for many people. Is there hope? We are living in days where many are living in ignorance. Ignorance. They reject the truth. They don't want God. They don't want Christ. They don't want the truth of Scripture. And yet the question, with all of these realities that many are in darkness, they're hopeless, and they're living in ignorance, is there any hope? Yes, there is. There sure is. And the hope is that Jesus has come into the world to remedy these. Okay, that's a long enough introduction. I need to get to the text here. Charles Wesley also said, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. 
Late in time, behold him come, offspring from the virgin's womb. Let's look at this one together. From our text in John 12, I want to give you three ways that Jesus has come into the world. And I was telling my children that they can memorize my sermon outline. So boys and girls, your mom and dad are going to quiz you. You can get the sermon outline. It's really simple. Really simple. And I want you to listen. I want you to hear this. Because I want to tell you why Jesus has come into the world. Number one, he came as light. Number two, he came as Savior. Number three, he came as the prophet. Let's begin and work through those together as we walk through the paragraph. Number one, I want you to see, if you're taking notes, Jesus has come as the light. He has come as the light. And I want you to see this in verses 44 to 46. He came as the light so that you would not remain in spiritual darkness. Christian, if you're here, you know what I'm talking about. If you're here today and you're living in the darkness, I pray that God will open your eyes. That you will be brought into the kingdom of light today by God's grace. Look at verse 46. After Jesus said, if you believe in me, you don't just believe in me, but in the Father. Verse 45, if you see me, you've seen my Father. Verse 46, here's the evangelism call. I have come into the world as light. I am the light. So that whoever believes in me may not remain in the darkness. This is what we read earlier In John chapter 1, verse 9, John wrote, The true light which enlightens every man was coming into the world. Now, you got to get this. Why light? Why over and over and over in the gospel of John does Jesus refer to himself as light? I am the light of the world. Well, because in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, one of the most frequent descriptions of God is that of light. We think of even the Shekinah glory in Exodus chapter 24, verse 17. The bright, shining light of the presence of God. Psalm 27, which we read earlier in the corporate scripture reading. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 27, 1. Isaiah 60, verse 19. You will have the Lord as your everlasting light. What hope. What promise. That in a world that is absolutely flooded with and plunged into despairing darkness... Do you hear this? You have light. In a world that is blinded to the truth, because they're in a whole different realm, a kingdom of darkness, you have light. So when Jesus says in verse 46, I have come into the world as light, here's what that means. Number one, he guides you. He guides you. As the light of the world, he guides you. He also protects you. He protects you, Christian. Just like the the light, the pillar of fire in in the Old Testament, protecting and guiding and guarding the children of Israel as they traveled, the Lord as your light 
protects you. And as the light, he transforms you. He transforms you. Now, I want you to hear this because the Apostle Paul really picks up on this in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 when he says that we were born and living in the domain of darkness. Do you hear that? There was a kingdom. You were shackled to darkness. You had father, but it was not God as your father. It was Satan who was your father in a kingdom of darkness. You were born into that. You were automatically brought into the world in a kingdom of darkness. Colossians 1.13, but God has rescued us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son. The apostle Paul writing to the Ephesians says that unbelievers are engaging in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, Ephesians 5.11. And then Paul just says to them, to the believers, you need to remember you were formerly darkness. But now you are light. You, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light. You are light in the Lord, so walk as the children of light. L- let me illustrate all this. So Jesus says in verse 46, I have come as the light of the world, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Remember when the children of Israel were in Egypt. In the book of Exodus, and God brought the plagues upon the Egyptians. And you remember Exodus chapter 10, verses 21 to 29, when God brought a darkness. It was a divine darkness. It was a judgment darkness. It it was a felt darkness. It was a directed darkness, a, a supernatural darkness. God brought it upon the whole land of Egypt. The whole land of Egypt, but all of the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Ponder the God who beams forth light to his own people. That's what our God does. That's what he did in the book of Exodus. That's what he does to you and me as his children today as well. Jesus has come as the light, verse 46, so that whoever believes may not remain in darkness. Here's the question for all of us, boys and girls, even you as well. Has God given the light of regeneration to your soul? Has God transferred you out of the kingdom of darkness, and as he brought you into the kingdom of light? Have you, have you beheld the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ, as our brother read earlier from 2 Corinthians? Have you, have you beheld Christ? Have you seen the light of Christ? Living in this dark world, you think, I don't belong here. I was made for another world, and the light of the Savior is what I long for. Do you know anything of that? Do you know the hope of the light of eternal life? Christian, can I remind you? You've been saved by the Lord, called by his effectual grace. You've been adopted in his family. You've been reckoned righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. Can I remind you that you will behold the dazzling light of the face of God one day. And it may be soon. 
Oh, he is the light. I have come into the world, verse 46, you see it there, as the light. So that whoever believes in me will not remain in darkness. May that be you today. Believing on the light, hoping in the light, knowing that he has come as the light, number one. Number two, if you're taking notes, not just did Jesus come, number one, as light. Number two, he came as Savior. Savior. This is almost so familiar that we can roll it off of our lips and forget the amazing wonder that God came down from heaven to earth to save you because you could not save yourself. Why did Jesus come as the Savior? He came as Savior, get this, so that you would never enter into judgment. Don't miss that. That's the whole point of what he's going to say in the public evangelism call. Look right here at verse 47. See it in your Bible. If anyone hears my words, but you don't keep them, Jesus said, I don't judge you, For I did not come to judge the world, but here's the word, but to save the world. I have come to save the world. 48, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. I mean, do you see that in verse 47? Do you see that warning? I mean, you you go to work and you say that Monday morning. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to enter judgment He came to save, but if you don't receive him, if you don't trust in him, it is the word of truth and the word of Christ that will judge you on that great day. If you don't hear, or if you hear, but you don't keep, and you don't believe, and you don't trust, and you don't follow, and you don't obey, it's like Jesus is saying, it is my very word that will judge you. What an evangelism call. What a warning from the loving Savior. You don't want his word to testify against you on that great day of judgment. Because it is a word of truth. It is a perfect word. It is a heart-convicting word. It is a penetrating word. It is an undeniable, powerful word. Don't reject Jesus Christ. There will be no escape. No escape. But yet, we're living in a world... I mean, we are living in a world that flat out rejects sin, it rejects judgment, it rejects eternal hell. I don't need this. I don't need your Jesus. I don't need your gospel. I don't need your Bible. Stop cramming your religion down my throat. Verse 47. If, if Jesus was only a judge... Guess what? He wouldn't need to take on human flesh. I mean, if, if, if he's only going to judge sinners, he doesn't need to come down from heaven for that. He doesn't need to be sent from the Father. He doesn't need to take on human nature. Why? A holy, righteous, perfect God can judge the world. He did it at the flood. 
but what we do read. In Hebrews chapter 2, we read this. Since children share in flesh and blood, he, the Savior, likewise partook of the same, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And he might deliver those who through the fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. And then he said, verse 17, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every way, so that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in the service to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He had to be made like us in order to save us. If he's just going to judge, he doesn't need to take on human flesh. If he's just going to judge mankind, he doesn't need the incarnation. But we read in verse 47, I did not come in human flesh. I didn't come from heaven to judge the world, but I have come to save. The incarnation of Jesus was positively to save and to redeem lost and perishing sinners. Let me take that concept, which you all agree with, let me drive it home. As a sinner, you stood as a condemned criminal and a lawbreaker before God. And let's just paint the image. You, you, you are in chains, handcuffs, whatever kind of chain. You're dragged into the courtroom with every single seat in the courtroom filled with witnesses, and they are loudly screaming for your just and your fair condemnation. Forever. Hopeless. Guilty. You're a lawbreaker. You're a sinner. You've disobeyed God. You've not loved him as he ought to be loved. And as all are screaming for your condemnation, then the unexpected Savior, the mediator, the perfect and the true and the divine substitute steps in, the pure one, to take your place and to take the condemnation that you rightly deserve. His name is Jesus. He did this work. He stepped in in your place. He came to save. He came to offer a perfect salvation. But verse 48 is such a warning that we need to hear. Hear it afresh. Look in your Bible, verse 48. The one who rejects me. Remember the context. Jesus is in the open in Jerusalem, in the public square, crying out with a loud evangelistic appeal, if you reject me and don't receive my words, there is a judge. And it's the word that I have spoken, and it will judge you on that last day. That last day. That last day of judgment. The great white throne judgment. 
when all will be brought before the sovereign Christ, the sovereign king, the sovereign judge, heaven and earth will flee away, the books are opened, all of the deeds, and you're judged one by one by all the deeds that the omniscient God has written in his book. You don't want to be there without a Savior. You don't want to be there on that great day rejecting the Lord, rejecting the Savior. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with the Lord there is forgiveness. Why did Jesus come? Why did he enter into the world? Well, he came first as light so that you may not remain in darkness. He came second as the Savior so that you would never enter into judgment. Now, let me give you number three, the third reason why Jesus came into the world. He came as light. He came as Savior. Now three, in your outline, he came as the prophet. The prophet. And there's a lot of talk about this nowadays. People say, I need a word from the Lord. I, I heard from God. God told me. God talked to me. We hear it all the time. Look at what Jesus says. Verse 49, just very quickly, Jesus said, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. And then he concludes in verse 50, here's the evangelism call, and I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has taught me. Why did Jesus come? He came as the prophet so that you would hear God's word, so that you would believe God's word, and have eternal life. That's what the Westminster Shorter Confession, the Catechism, number 24, how is Christ your prophet? He is a prophet in that he reveals by his word and his spirit the will of God for our salvation. We need a word from God. We need to hear the truth from God. And Jesus said, I have come not to speak my own word, using language of Deuteronomy chapter 18, one of the great messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, when God said through the prophet Moses, I will raise up for you a prophet who will speak my words. You must listen to him. Jesus is the prophet. He teaches you. Christian, he guides you. As the prophet, he convicts you. As the prophet, he comforts you. As the prophet, he reveals God to you through the word. As the prophet, he instructs you in the way of holiness. I mean, behold the prophet. Behold the one who says, I didn't come to invent my own message. I came to speak what the Father has given me to say. By the way, that's what every under-shepherd pastor ought to do. 
not as the ultimate prophet, but as a spokesman for the Lord. I didn't invent this message. I have gotten it from the word, and I give it to you. That's what Jesus did as the ultimate, the great prophet. You know, his last word, his last word in public is not one of condemnation. His last word in public is a tender appeal. First John chapter 3 verse 23 says it similarly. This is God's commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Congregation of believers. John chapter 12 is the message for us. It's what we need to hear. That Jesus has come from heaven. He has come from heaven as the light. He has come from heaven as the Savior. He has come from heaven as the prophet. It is like, like the Father is beckoning you to hear and believe. Like the Spirit is pointing you to the Son of God. Look to Him and believe. It's like the Son of God Himself saying, Believe upon me and have eternal life. The preacher is summoning you to believe. This very moment is urging you to believe, for tomorrow may not come. We might even say those in hell are warning and urging you to come to believe upon Christ and to trust in Him if you've never come to Him yet as your only Savior and hope. All the holy angels are watching you and begging you to come. The bride and the redeemed in heaven would woo you to come to this Christ and flee to him for eternal life. So we say, we say as we close with those familiar words with Isaac Watts, which we sang earlier, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. May we hear afresh the great joy and reality and wonder of God coming into the world to save sinners. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and your truth. Write your blessed eternal truth upon our hearts. Remind us of the wonder that Jesus, our great Emmanuel, has come to save sinners. We worship him in Christ's name. Amen.